All right. Now, as we always do, let's get to the fan focus. We start out with the morning show as the boys discuss the latest with Darius Garland. I don't want to move on from Darius Garland. I find Darius Garland absolutely untouchable for a plethora of reasons that I've shared a billion times over. But the purgatory thing is what I think scares a lot of fans out there. The whole purgatory thing. Like, use the use the Kings as an example. If you use the Kings in the West, no, we, we the Kings are a nice story. They've been kind of like the Browns of the NBA. Struggled for a long time, made the playoffs, everybody's excited, and then you go, okay, what's the next move? Because are the Lakers going to stand pat? There's a possibility of it. Sun certainly didn't do that. The Nuggets are still out there. You have a bunch of teams that are out there now that, that might be willing to pass you up if you look at your standings right now in, in the NBA. I mean, they finished third. Okay, are, is Golden State going to stand pat? They're not, they're making moves. I mentioned the Lakers, the Pelicans. What are they going to do for their future? Is Portland going to jump into this mix? Dallas, are they going to jump into this mix? You know, what's Utah going to do in here? San Antonio is not going to be on their ass next year with Victor Wembenyama. I want to make sure I say his last name right. So now it's, what is the next step? And I think a lot of Cavs fans are wondering, what is the next step? And so it's scary to a lot of folks. I think I, it's... I, I have to give but it, I just as much think as it's... I hate the idea of Garland on the move, and I know, I say absolutely no, the other things are, okay, well, we do have to have discussion. I think it's so bizarre, though, that fans don't think the teams try to improve by, by any means necessary. The last five seconds that I really love there with Lima. I love that point. I, I, listen, Darius is not on my list either of tradable players. I don't want him gone. I want him here. But every team's got to listen to just about everything out there. And they might get insulted with some of the trade requests and some of the inquiries. Of course, yes. You know, you, you try to get Darius Garland for a bag of basketballs, I'm going to get insulted. But good teams listen to just about everyone. You don't, you don't slam down the call and slam down the phone and say, no, thank you. Now, they call about Darius, they call about Darius. What they do moving forward from that is what makes it interesting. All right, this one take a little bit to set up here, okay? It's Nick and it's Dustin. It's afternoon drive. And the two of them are debating whether or not if you shot an 80 or a 79 in this instance, but the front nine was shot at 530 at night, let's say, and then you had to call it a day because of weather, and then you came back the next day and then you shot the back nine in order to complete the 79 to break 80. Whether or not that counts as a full 18 where you broke 79, broke 80, or whether or not that should be looked at as two separate nine-hole events. I just don't understand. the. I think it's so much harder to stop in the middle of something and then pick up the very next day at the same level. And maybe it's just because I'm. you said you're not a very good golfer. I'm, a, I'm a dog-ass golfer. I am an awful golfer. I don't even think they. I, I should be called something else. I shouldn't even be allowed to say that I actually am a golfer because I'm not. I'm just a fat ass that picks up sticks and tries to hit a small ball, and once every three months, I didn't land the plane on that one. Doesn't no, matter. You did not. But the point is, if I, what's a good score for me in the first nine? If I get a fifty, and then again, because the point is. You don't choose. You're not going home because you're like, ah, I think I'll do better tomorrow on the, the the back nine. No, weather or some issue prevents you from finishing that round, and then you come back the next day. I got to be honest. I think there's so much more pressure that way because you had the whole amount of time to think about. It. 
You've had the whole amount of time. You got to start from even if you go out to the the driving range and 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 heat up. That's the driving range doesn't truly prepare you. Okay, yes, you might not be as yeah, tight, but you, but you you still get to count that as your um, that that same round. Like, let's say your first round you shot that thirty nine, yet you were like missing some putts. Um, oh, by the way, the greens do change from day to day. I mean, they could roll differently the next day. They could be they could be whatever. But you could you could go on the, and be like, eh, my my uh, short game was a little bit off. You could go work on that for like an hour and a half before you tee off on ten. So if it's good enough for the the PGA, why isn't it good enough for you? Because we're recreational golfers, and it just means more. It's like the SEC. No, it's like it's like if you're gonna really play around, shame on you for teeing off at six o'clock. Shame. Well, if you're trying to play 18 and you're teeing off, you know you're not going to get the round in or whatever, 7 o'clock, if you will. So you should be penalized? Not penalized, but it shouldn't count. I agree with Dustin. I, I went on their show earlier today to discuss this. You can Odyssey rewind that. It was a fun discussion. They had, they had a multitude of good golf discussions on the program today. 520, 540 is when I hopped in. Go back and listen to it if you want. I make the case there that I agree with Dustin. On the basis that, like, if you try to shoot a course record, no one is going to allow that to be the course record splitting up the days. The, the, the impressive part about golf is that over 18 holes, the recreational golfer will collapse. We talked about the brother-in-law's bachelor party trip. We went golfing once. I was pretty solid, to say for myself. Pretty solid, all things considered. And for the first, like, 13, 14 holes, what makes golf impressive is that the remaining five... Oh boy, was it tough! I mean, it's tough yeah, because that's part of the that's part of the intensity of the game. That's part of what makes that sport really tough. It's, it, it is not easy to be great or to be good to great for that long. It, it's an incredibly hard sport. It always constantly changes. It messes with your head. One day you shoot nine, next day you shoot nine. Not counting that as eighteen. Like I typically play nine holes when I play. That's what I do. I typically play nine because. I just don't have four and a half hours to spend on a Saturday. Let's be honest about it. And so I, I play nine. And I, I very rarely would ever consider myself just doubling up my first nine and saying that's what I shot for the day. And by very rarely, I mean never. So I agree with Dustin here. All right, we go to Baskin and Phelps as Menigan was in today for Baskin, talking about a potential new addition. There's one guy who's out there and available who I have always liked. I thought he's always been a very good pro. And I think he's the kind of guy that could end up being a really good bargain for you. And that guy is T.J. Warren. Small forward who's a free agent. And he missed, not last season, but the season before with an injury. He was out. And he's he's about 30 years old. And so that's a... It's a tough thing. You know, you missed him playing time. He'll be 30 on September 5th. And so, you know, clearly there's plenty of upside still. He's only 30. But if you look at certain times in his career, when he was with Indiana in the COVID year, 2020, when it got shut down, you might remember they went to the bubble and T.J. Warren came up with some unbelievable games. In, in the bubble with Indiana, he had scoring games of 16, 22, 53, 34, 32, 16, 39, and 12. And he hit the three-point shot. He's a 6'8 small forward, and he can play a little power forward as well. 
And I just think he's always been a really intriguing guy. I've always been fascinated with him. I know you guys don't care about fantasy basketball in the slightest bit, but I have taken TJ Warren multiple times in fantasy basketball. And it's not that I'm some sort of whiz in fantasy basketball. It's just I've always really liked his game. I've always really liked what he can do. But now it's four teams in three years, and I'm just I'm with each passing year, I become less and less interested in the idea of TJ Warren. I just do. I'm sorry. I four years ago I would have been uh, the first one in the line to buy as much TJ Warren stock as you possibly could. And at that point, it would have been like buying Apple stock at the height of the Mac. Like it's like, oh, okay, well, it's fine to get in, but we were we're really buying high here. Now I was le- I was reading our buddy Chris Fedor's column earlier today. Yesterday I went a big I went on a big rant about Miles Bridges, and Fedor today says according to his sources and his sources are good ones, the Cavs are interested in Miles Bridges even though they don't have nearly enough money to sign him. Okay, so Bridges had the seven point nine million dollar qualifying offer. They would match the mid level in an instant, and sources say the Bridges camp is expecting a much higher per year salary. So it's complicated. And what we talked about yesterday, you can go at 923thefan.com and you can go check out the, the podcast from yesterday on uh, Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. It, it is not a, it's a very lengthy and detailed discussion we have to have with Miles Bridges. But I think it's interesting that Fedor confirmed the sources say the Cavs are interested in Miles Bridges. We go to the morning show. The two discussed the bad weather outside. Someone very close to Lima, I think we know who we're talking about was looking out the window and judging people if they were outside yesterday. Yeah, because she determined <laughs> that baby Isabella could not go outside yesterday. <laughs> except to get in the car so we could we could get to where we need to get to. But that was it. There was going to be no leisurely stroll. We take these 45-minute, hour-long, really in-between bottles. We call it bottle service at home, by the way, for baby Isabella. Uh, we come out with the streamers and the fire. But we did not take her outside yesterday. I was forbidden to. Because of the air quality. Well, I mean, the city of Cleveland, they came out with the CDPH, so, Division of Air Quality, DAQ issued a health alert status to elevated levels of fine particulate matter caused in a major part by the wildfires in Canada. I saw that became a political discussion on, she, the, on the Facebook page. Was she judging people who were outside? She was, yes. She did not understand. She follows some of her friends on Garmin. They post all their runs because she is yeah. entrenched in the running community, and she saw some people out there that were, in fact, pregnant that ran uh, 7 to 10 miles yesterday. Oh, no. And Sarah was appalled. It was one day. Now, it was one day, right. Now, she was not this way during COVID. She really wasn't. In fact, she was was tired of COVID a lot lot earlier than I was tired of COVID. So... Well, you picked and choose. I picked and choose, yeah. When you were upset about the COVID, yeah. Yeah. I was very selfish. Yes. So, in this case... How do you feel about this? Because I'm sure, yes, most people were fine yesterday. But there were events canceled from here to Pittsburgh. There were all sorts of events canceled. Minor league games canceled. They, didn't they play that Pirates game yesterday? Oh, they did? I saw a picture from the Pirates. I saw a picture from that. State. Yeah, they won 7-1 yesterday against San Diego. Mm-hmm. They played that game yesterday in Pittsburgh. So is... I think it's worse in Pittsburgh today than it was yesterday. Though. Is is it an overreaction? They get our smoke a day later. Is it an overreaction in this case? And... Should it just be fine? Anybody who wanted to be out, whether it was with their kids, whether it was with their grandparents who may have respiratory issues. I mean, I think you just have to determine if, I, if you're vulnerable or not. I know this sounds familiar, like we had these did discussions. Did you find yourself judging anybody outside? I was not, no. 
I did see. I could just. I'm just. I'm. I just keep picturing Sarah Ono in the picture window of the Dakota, <laughs> looking down on people as she's. Oh, how could you be outside in this weather? Sarah sounds a lot like my wife. <laughs> I'm just being honest about it. She sounds a lot like my wife. My wife instantly in the morning, we uh, I text alerts to everyone that was going to be around my baby girl today, grandma, myself, everyone being like, we that baby is not going outside. That air quality is awful. It is not a baby is not touching outdoors. And it's funny. I dropped the baby off at her grandma's house earlier today. And obviously she had to be outdoors for a few seconds there to make the transition and the handoff, if you will. And like, it's a football or something. It's a baby, but it's a handoff. And, uh, I was just like, we, we joked about it. We're like, I better not go outside. At least it's going to be on it. Better, better not go outside. I don't know. I don't know what to make of any of it. If I'm being honest, I, I hate it's annoying. I'll say that much. It's 100% annoying. I can't say I love that much when uh, I, I don't like walking outside and feeling like everyone's having a barbecue 24-7. It's fun for like three seconds, and then you're like, eh, I'm not getting a hot dog at the end of this one. Not great. All right, Nick and Dustin with the latest on Bronny James. This update did strike a pre-show conversation about how much attention – we're paying to, to, to Bronny James, right? Like earlier this week, actually, I'm, I'm actually now certain every show on this station when Brian Windhorst was just completely like, ah, I've heard a lot of crazy things out there in the ether for the Cavs. Every one of us at some point have been like, could it mean LeBron James is coming back to Cleveland? So we clearly still have the fascination with LeBron Sr., what about Bronny? Like, what about him? Well, just like when... We don't even know how good he is. I mean, I think he's gone from people saying he probably isn't going to get drafted right out of college if he was a one-and-done to he could be a borderline um, lottery pick. You know, the I, I, do, I do think that he will be overdrafted because of his name. Oh, see, I think... I think we've gotten to a point where those... I do think they're... Listen... In all sports, teams love when they can get a second, third, fourth generation player. It's always good to have one of those guys because you know what they're coming to the table with in terms of work ethic. They know how to be a pro and all these things. I think it's in most sports, if you've got a player, and this, this is just from talking to scouts throughout the years, like for NFL, for example. Yeah. If you've got a, a second generation player, father mm-hmm. played in the league, you've got a good chance that kid's going to be all right. Yeah. And, and so... I do There's think, a lot of second-generational players in the, in the NBA right now. Yes. I just think LeBron might – LeBron, sorry, Bronny might actually be the rare second-generation NBA player that gets held back by his name. I don't see how he gets held back by his name. If anything, if, if Bronny isn't at a lottery pick level by the time he decides to go in, and that's really what makes this whole conversation tough, is that there's no guarantee. What if he's in college for three years? No guarantee. Bronny might end up making more money with USC and the NIL than he ever does playing in the NBA. He might hang hang around USC, win a couple national titles, have the documentary crew follow him like they did in high school, and might make that his route. And not crazy to think. Was he worth like $7 million in NIL projected for this upcoming season? If you're taking in the late second round, the NBA is always going to be there. But if you're taking in the late second round, I don't know that he's going to have $7 million a year projections moving forward. But the point would be is that you gamble on that DNA. 
If you're an if you're an NBA team, not only do you gamble on that DNA, you also gamble on the outside chance that LeBron will join forces and join your team because he clearly wants to do that. Even though in recent months he's kind of rebuffed that because I think he's understood that Bronny's got a brain for himself and Bronny's got to figure that part of his life out on his own. And just because it's his dream doesn't mean that it's Bronny's dream as well.